Would you stand with me? I'm going to share the word of God and then pray. I want to read from the Bible this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, but not many noble, are called. But God has chosen. I want you to just sort of circle that in your mind just for a moment, and we'll think about it here a little bit later this morning. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those that are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. There's a, this thing's loaded up right there. And uh, I, just, I just pray that God would help us to grasp an understanding of what God is trying to say and speaking to us in these, uh, these four or five verses. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we are part of the company of the redeemed. We're thankful for the church of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that we are, we are living epistles. And of that, we are read and known of all people. Father, I pray that we might present Christ in effective ways. We might present the living Jesus as he touches people's lives this morning. Father, I pray for people. I pray specifically for those that have come here and and they're searching for an answer. They're searching for something in their life that is needed, that is perhaps missing at this moment. Father, I pray that in your wisdom, you would develop your desire and show them your ways in your life. I pray for people today that are, that are experiencing some very hard things in their lives and, and they need the comfort of God, the presence of God just absolutely to crowd in around them and, and, and give them a sense of peace in their life. So Father, we thank you. There's so many things that you're going to be doing and we're thankful for being in a place where there is faith, where there is encouragement and strength. And so, Father, I pray that you'll touch people's lives and hearts today in profound and powerful ways. We're praying this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles into the Old Testament to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. I'm reading just one verse, but I'm going to touch on several others in the course of this message. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 9. I've used the example of Asa and what has happened in this situation that I'm going to talk about this morning. I've used this as an example, I know, in other teachings that I've done, but I want to just speak on it this morning. This has been in my heart for a while, and I feel like this is the moment to share, <clears throat> to share this with you. Just this one verse, verse number nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. 
There's an interesting story here, and the story is about King Asa. The eyes of the Lord, talking about this, and with this purpose in mind and our understanding here, to strongly, the, the idea here is to strongly support those whose hearts are loyal to God. That is something that we can count on in our life. That is something that you literally can, if you will, take to the bank. Those whose hearts are loyal to God, you can anticipate, you can expect God to be a blessing and to be loyal into your life in very special and unique ways. Sometimes I wonder, we get a little confused as we pray here, and I think there are times we, we have said, and I've said these things to myself, I'm with you on this, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Why don't you uh, pay more attention to me and my, my need here that I've been talking about to you and all of this? And is my prayer even getting through to him? Well, the Bible answers that in a number of ways, but this passage actually tells us one of them. He says, my eyes are looking for those who are loyal to me. And when I find those who are loyal to me, I'm going to respond to them. I'm going to do something in their particular life. And so, the eyes of the Lord, <clears throat> please understand this, and I believe this with all of my heart. Today, in this room, right now, in this space that we're talking about, the eyes of the Lord are moving across this entire congregation, up and down these aisles, in and out of the rows of these people, literally looking, literally looking and examining, if you will, those whose hearts are loyal to him. And the Bible says when he finds those people, when those people are a part of, of his discovery, if you will, he says, I'm going to be strong on your behalf. I'm okay with that, and I hope you are too. I hope you appreciate the fact that God desires to be strong on your behalf in this, in this life today, starting today, right now, in this moment, in fact. <clears throat> I want to do a little background here. And I think the background is important for us and some understanding here. In, cha in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, or I'm sorry, chapter 6 and verse 18, Solomon asks a question that is so critically important. And this was during the occasion of the dedication of the temple. And Solomon asks this question in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 18. He says, is it possible for God to dwell with people? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And I believe we can take this forward and we can ask this question today on, on what is it, September 30th, 2018. Can, will God dwell with people? Will God come in to Faith Community Church, and will he come in among us? And I think we honestly need to answer that thing because I honestly believe there's some people that say, well, you know, I, I show up at worship and, and uh, we sing some songs, we hear a message, and that's about it and all of this. But will God come into this place this morning, right now, in where you're seated? Will he come and will he dwell with us? That's what Solomon asked in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 18. <clears throat> and the answer comes a chapter later. 
Because in chapter 7 and verse 14, a passage that you know very well, where Solomon says, or actually God says to Solomon, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll come and I'll heal your land. I'm telling you, folks, that that is something that could be prayed from every pulpit this morning in America. It would change the climate of America. If, you're not, if, if you haven't been Rumpelstiltskin and you've been paying attention, even the slightest attention or almost no attention to what's been going on in our land over the last several weeks or several months or whatever, or the last few days, you will clearly see that it is time for people to humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways. Do you know who he's talking about here? He's not talking about the pagans that drive up and down the road. He's talking to the church. He's calling on the church. He says, church, pray, seek my face, turn from your wickedness. What? There's wickedness in my life? I'll let God be the judge of that, but if, he, if God was judging it, we'd put it up on the screen this morning, it'd be shocking. He says, then you're going to hear from heaven. He says, and I'll come in among you, and I'll heal your land, and I'll do the things that only God can do. Folks, only God can do it. It isn't a matter of the Democrats and the Republicans all of a sudden having a big love in and, or anything like that. It isn't going to do any good. might play well on TV, but it's a matter of God coming in among his people. And there have been seasons, there have been times in which that has, that has been the exact thing that has happened in our land. There's times where God did come in. There's times when God did move upon, among people. I was a part of a church after 9-11. <clears throat> Oddly enough, I, I was the president of the college, but uh, some nice people talked me into this, and I don't know why, but I, I said yes. I, just, I, I said yes, I'll be your interim pastor of a small Nazarene church. That was 25 miles away from the campus. Nice church. Had about 60, 70 people in it. Wonderful people. 9-11 hit. And those 60 or 70 people showed up at church again on that Sunday morning. And I swear to you, as I stand here today, as we begin the opening song, people just continue to file into that place. Deacons were setting up folding chairs all over the place. I mean, we had people sitting down the aisle, people sitting all over the back. It was jam-packed with people, hungry for something, an answer, something. And when we give the invitation, the altar that they had, they had real altars in this place, not, not these, but the ones that you kneel at. They were filled with people coming to Christ. We prayed over people until a quarter of one that day. 
And I gathered the deacons together. And I said, guys, what are you going to do about this? These are your neighbors. These are the people that you do business with in this town. These are people that you know, that you see at the basketball games. What are you going to do about it? Because they came to this place seeking God, and they found God in this house. I'm sorry to get off track a little bit there, but the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, the kingdom had been divided. And that was a sad moment in and of itself. And when you look at all the kings that ruled those two nations, basically about 90% of them were bad kings. They were wicked. They served idols. They did all, they did all kinds of bad stuff. And then every once in a while, you get a good one that came in there, and Asa is one of them. Asa came along, and he was a good king. And the Bible says he did a lot of reforms and all kinds of stuff and, and everything. And here in, in chapter 14, so Abijah, uh, he rested with his fathers. Asa, his son, reigned in his place Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. God was pleased. God started blessing him. Now you roll over here to chapter 15. <clears throat> and Azariah, who is a prophet, just sort of shows up. We don't know where this guy came from. He was a prophet of God. He just shows up. And he stops Asa right in the middle of everything. And, says, and he says these words. Listen to this. He says, the Lord is with you while you are with him. There's... There's the qualifying factor right there. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And that's a big question we have to ask ourselves today about our relationship. If he, we forsake him, he will forsake you. And we go on. These wicked kings were no good. And all kinds of problems, all kinds of adversity. Then in chapter 14 and verse 9, everything's going good. And then we read this. And I can apply this to our lives. And then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against him with an army. Listen to this. An army of a million people. A million. 300 chariots. And Asa had to go up against him. Isn't that the way life is? Life is going along pretty good. We're serving the Lord. We love God. God is working on our behalf. Then all of a sudden, the Ethiopians show up. They got a million people back of them. And we're going to take over. And we're going to run you off. But you know what Asa did? He began to pray. He began to seek God. He began to look to God. And in verse 11, Asa cried out to the Lord. And he says this, Lord... And let me tell you something. I have prayed this prayer so many times in my life. I prayed it just this morning. Lord, it is nothing for you to help. Whether with many or with those who have no power. In other words, I fit into the latter category. I have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude... Oh, Lord, you are a God. Do not let man prevail against you. And guess what? The Ethiopians are gone. 
God took care of it. They're all gone. They're, they hit the road. And there was victory. That's a wonderful prayer for us, folks. <coughs> there's a lot of times that we try to find solutions apart from God, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a strong pull in that area of our lives. I think I can figure this thing out. I will do it this way. And we don't seek the Lord on this thing. I think we need to seek the Lord on these things. And it's so human to turn to other resources and to see what God will do. Asa didn't have any resources except to cry out to God. And here's your prayer this morning. There is no one to help but God. That's a pretty good prayer. There is no one to help but God. And God gives you the victory because you sought him. And then in chapter 15, Azariah the prophet comes to Asa. I've already told you about. Asa receives this word. He went to work. And, and in verse 8 and 12, 15, 18, all of these things, and I've got them up on the board. I'm kind of, kind of, you can look at them yourself and everything like that. But for 35 years, no war, no problems. Nothing was, nothing was coming against Judah. Everything was fine because Asa sought the Lord. He told the people to seek the Lord. And when they did, God gave them victories, great victories. Then, chapter 16. I hope you have your Bibles open so you can follow this a little bit easier. It says in chapter 16, verse 1, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, the king of Israel, uh, the king of Israel came against Judah. And you know, this morning as I was looking over my text and everything and praying about this message, I had overlooked this in that first verse. But do you realize what's happening here? Asa is the king of the north here of this Judah. Basha is king in the south, Israel. And what I had overlooked, and I feel like the prompting of God spoke into my heart and said, these guys are brothers. This was a nation that was divided. This is a nation that had 430 years of slavery in Egypt. This is a nation that saw the miraculous hand of God deliver it from slavery. This is the nation that went through the Red Sea on dry ground. This is the nation that stood at Sinai and felt the thunder, the lightning, and the voice of God. This is the nation that crossed the Jordan into the promised land. And now this is the nation that are at war against brother against brother. And it's shameful. I don't have the time this morning to tell you about how I feel about this, but God help us in the church that there would be those divisions, those things that causes us, I don't like you, you don't like me. That does not belong in the New Testament church. Get it out of here. Pray it out. Ask God to help you. Those things do not belong in his house. And I see church after church after church that are divided, that are in pain because of those very things. They are sinful, they are wrong, they are never right. And don't walk up to me after church and say, I was right and he was wrong. 
because I'm going to tell you right now, my answer is, no, you are wrong. Get it straightened out with God. Amen? Time to move on, isn't it? I think it is. Well, it worked. But this time Asa did something that was really wrong. Up to this point, he was relying on God. But he did did something wrong, and it starts out in verse 2. You know, let's make it contemporary. He called up his buddy in Syria. Hey, Ben, hey, Dad. You and I have been buddies for quite a while. I need a little help down here. These guys are coming against me. Can you help me? Ben, hey, Dad says, sure, I'll be able to help you. I can can do something for you. What's going to cost you? And Asa says, well, I got plenty of gold and silver. We just we got a whole load of it in the church. Here, we'll just get some. I'll get you some. And they won the victory. Everything's going smooth. And then one of those pesky, pesky prophets show up. A guy named Hananiah. We don't know anything about this guy, except he was a pest. And he confronts Asa. And he says, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro across the earth to find those whose hearts are loyal to me. But you have forsaken me. For 35 years, I fought your battles. I've won your battles. I provided for you. I've done all of these things for you. And now you decided that's not good enough. You didn't call on me, but you called on Ben Haydad, who's a who is a rat. You got to read further on that one. And he did your he did your army work for you. Pesky is right. Listen to me, friends. Kings and leaders have a couple of options here. We can respond to God like Asa. And you know what Asa did to this prophet? He said, I don't like hearing that stuff. I'm going to throw you in jail. And he did. Tossed him in jail. Or we can be like David. David didn't like to hear Nathan either. And it took him about a year to get that one figured out. But then he wrote this. Search me, O God. Know my heart. I'm wrong. I've walked in the wrong all this time. He says, I even felt it in my bones. I was so wrong. He says, cleanse me. Make me new. Make me whole. Make me clean. Because I want to stand before you without a blemish. There's our two options. And so, David wasn't a perfect man, that's for sure. But there are no perfect people in this room. I'm not perfect. You aren't perfect. But God uses people who have perfect hearts. See, there's the difference. He uses people with these perfect hearts. And Asa hears the prophet. Every one of us has lives of constant problem solving. I think leaders need to be known not for their charisma or things like that, but can you solve a problem? And... um, I think it's very easy for us to think. I've thought these thoughts myself. Who said, you know, number one, if I just had some money, I could do something. 
Uh, if I just had some highly placed friends, I know I could do something there. Uh, if somebody just knew where I was, that would really be a help today. Or <clears throat> if somebody would just care a little bit more for me, then that would help me out. God wants to demonstrate himself strong and powerful on your behalf. And uh, it might, you might have to wait for a moment for something to happen on that, but God will do it. You might have friends that are better connected. You might have a little black book with a, a Ben Hey Dad in it that you can call up and say, I need some help and I need this and I need that. But you know what? I got a little black book too. And there's one that is listed in this book. His name is Jesus. And he's the greatest help that you'll ever, you'll ever experience in all of this world. Here's my black book. And he's in it. And he talks about promises. He talks about things that he's going to do in my life and in your life. And all I have to do is have a heart that is loyal to him. And then call on him. Call on him. And he directs our lives. He coaches us as we live. If we're walking down the wrong path, he brings us back into order. If we don't understand something, he's patient and merciful and helps us to understand it. And all of these things, all of these things that God will do in our life if we will, if we will love him. I look at people <clears throat> like a field that God is looking at and I look over this congregation this morning and I see a field that God wants to grow a wonderful crop of men and women and teenagers that he can use. But sometimes, sadly, we will not serve the Lord with a whole heart. We'll give him part of it. Serve God with all of your heart today. Serve him all the way. Let all the way. Be encouraged. God is looking for you. My text this morning that I read to you right at the very beginning of the service was the fact that God <coughs> doesn't use too many wise too many strong, too many noble, too many powerful, all of these things. But he chooses weak things, weak people like me and you. He, chose, he chooses people that, that are on the lower end of the ladder, if you will, and he uses them. All through the Bible, you see this demonstrated every, virtually every chapter of the Bible, how God is working in different people's lives. And it is a powerful illustration and a model. For God has chosen. For God has chosen. It's God who chooses and makes a choice. You're just average. I hear that from time to time. We're looking for somebody to help us in this area or that area. <clears throat> well, Pastor, I'm just average. There's a lot of people who live in average. Average is a place of safety. It's a place where a lot of people live. To be average requires a choice. Listen to me carefully. And that choice is, I will live my life defined and determined by the status quo. I refuse that. I lived in the zone called average for a lot of my life. I went through high school and felt like average was good enough. All you have to do is get a C to get out of here. 
I went to college with that same attitude. Got thrown out of one because I didn't even get to average. Because I thought college is where you had fun. I learned differently. I graduated from college average. Average. I was fortunate to be able to land a decent job. And then Christ came into my life. Jesus came into my life. And I can tell you this honestly, within a few hours, changed me from average to desiring to do more to live for God. And I didn't know anything about it, but I knew my attitude had changed. There was an inward determination to maximize whatever God had given me. And again, I didn't even understand that. I'm going to challenge you here at Faith Community Church. And I mean this with all my heart. Raise the bar. Raise the bar. Raise the bar in your life, your standards of faith, our expectations of ourselves, our beliefs in the goodness and the generosity for God. Don't settle for something less. Do not settle for average. Ask God to take you beyond that. And don't be afraid to ask. Because keep it in mind, keep it in mind, God is, God likes average. He loves average. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to move you. Okay? I just love some of the people we've got teaching Sunday school today because they thought they never could do it. Well, they're doing it. They're doing a good job. Average, now above average, and growing and moving forward. There's all kinds of people. You won't be able to say, I did this all on my own. You can't say that. All you can say is, with the help of God, he has brought me thus far. <clears throat> and you cry that simple prayer that Asa prayed. Lord, I have no power, but I need you to help me to do what only you can do. And I believe God is looking. I believe God is interested in working in my life. I believe the eyes of the Lord continue to look across this entire church, this entire congregation, from the back row to the front row, from the west side to the east side. He is looking for those who simply will say, I am willing, I will stand up, I will raise my hand and say, I am ready to be used of God. And I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that's even going to look like. I am, I am clueless. But I am ready to be used by God. And there are people all over this place. And there are people in here that I'm convinced you may not even know Christ. You may not even know God. You don't even know why you're here today. <clears throat> but God's got a message for you. And it's a message to transform. It's a message to change your life. 
And he'll do that. He'll do that this morning in the name of Jesus. I wonder what God could do. Desire through my life or your life, if we, <clears throat> if we would allow... allow to die the idea of a lack of ambition or things like that or thinking that I'm failing when in reality, you know what? I simply quit. Now that stings. But I honestly think somebody somebody sometimes says, I I can't do that. I've tried that. Or In all honesty, you just quit. I had that feeling last night at LifeGate. I'm telling you, if the devil picks up junk and throws it at you, we got it thrown at us. Where's Scott? Where's Scott? He's guarding the door back there. I walked in at 4 o'clock and Scott's coming to me. Blood streaming out of his nose. I got a bad news. How long you had that? For an hour. Scott, you got to get to the hospital. Stephanie Bowden walks in at just the precise time. And you know why Stephanie was there? Because she buried the chase wagon in the field. And she says, okay, I give up on this. I'm going to church. (laughs) Stephanie, I don't know if you're in the room. She's here. Where are you, Stephanie? She's somewhere in the building. Don't worry. Don't get her. She's busy right now. She's busy with little kids. Stephanie, take Scott to the hospital. (laughs) I walked into the sound area where the, there's blood on this thing. (laughs) So we got to wipe this up (laughs) and everything. I swear at three minutes to 530, which would be 527. I looked, I, I looked, there couldn't have been 25 people in that room. I said, oh, brother. So I went down, we opened the service up. The ladies, uh, the, the worship team and the guys were up there playing and we were singing and I'm sitting there thinking, oh boy, what a night. And I turned around to pray after the music and I have no idea, but there's about 70 other people that showed up. I think they started learning from faith community church people who know that at 9.59, you can roll in here and fill this thing up. You guys have been talking to them, I think. But anyway, God blessed us, and there were five, six people that came to Christ last night, and the enemy lost. Smack. Smack. I want to close with this. Donnelly, if you could head back there, please. I believe there's so much untapped potential in this room, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unsealed opportunities. And only God knows. Only God knows. And all I have to do is raise my hand and say yes. Count on me. I'm so happy for you new members because you raised your hand somewhere along the way. And you say, yes, count on me. 
Isn't that right, Lisa? She's on the team back there. Count on me. I don't know what God will do in my life, but I know that God is greater than who I am today and all of these other things. Here I am. Show yourself strong through me. And God will do it. God will do it. There's so much more I'd like to say, but I want to close with this question. God, what would you do at this point in my life? What would you do at this point in my life if I would simply yield myself totally to you? I want to challenge some teenagers that might be in this room right now. I want to challenge teens. God, what would you do in my life if I would give myself 100% to you? I'm praying for some of our young people in college right now. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm praying that God will turn them around. I think America needs engineers. He need, we need lawyers. No, we don't need lawyers. We've got plenty of them. <laughs> I think we need doctors and we need all kinds of people. And... and um, but I'm praying that God is going to be speaking. And I think he is in one of these kids already. We need some preachers. We need some people that will stand up and with a Bible in their hand and say, God, here's your word. And I'm going to proclaim it. You three guys right there, I'm praying for you in particular. I believe that with all of my heart. Let's raise up some warriors. Let's raise up some youth people. Let's raise up some Lances and Pastor Russes and all of these folks. Let's raise up some Mirandas and Bradys. And let's ask God to work powerfully in their life. That's where he gets his best people. From people who say, I have nothing, O oh Lord, but you. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, I believe the eyes of the Lord have moved back and forth, up and down through this congregation this morning. I believe you're speaking to some people. I believe you're I believe you're finding some hungry hearts. I believe you find you're finding some people that's ready to raise their hand. I believe you're finding some folks that are saying, "Lord, I don't know what I have to offer, but I'm willing to give it all to you." Then you do something. So Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for speaking into our hearts. I thank you for using this uh, word to penetrate maybe some areas of our lives that uh, have sort of been overgrown. Father, I also pray that you've been speaking to people about the need for Jesus Christ in their life. 
Folks, it's time to get serious about God. Lord, I believe you've used the service to do just that. We want to get serious about God. And that begins by knowing Jesus Christ. That begins by knowing him as the Savior and Lord of our life. Right now, I just want to ask, while our heads are bowed and eyes closed at the moments of the close of this service, are there people here this morning? You'd simply raise your hand and say, I want to pray and know Christ. I want to know him as my Savior, my Lord. I want him to govern my life. I'm asking right now, if you just lift that hand, put it up, put it down, that's all it's going to take. I want to know. Thanks. Father, for those who lifted a hand, help them to pray simply right along with me. Dear Jesus, come into my life to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I want you to come into my heart and live in my heart. Not just in my head, but in my heart. I want you to take total control over my life. I ask you to forgive my sin and to be real and to be the Lord of my life. I know that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead. Today, I ask him to take over as the Lord and the King of my life. Live in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.